Hello and welcome to Recruiting Hell. It's a very special and auspicious episode here for episode 38, where I, your humble host, Rob Conlon, was given the opportunity to speak at the Pong Milwaukee Weekly Meeting. Pong is short for Professional Opportunities Networking Group. We were in, about, in front of about 50 folks there, and we talked about age-proofing your resume. What you're going to hear from now on is an uncut, unedited version of that presentation. It contains almost an hour and a half of question and answer as well as the uh, speech that I wrote for this particular opportunity. So I really do hope that you enjoy this extra special extended episode of Recruiting Hell, where of course we know job hunting sucks, but we are also in the mission of helping educate 10,000 job seekers, helping 100 of them land their dream job, and making sure that we save 10 lives from deaths of despair due to lack of work. Thanks again for being a listener to Recruiting Hell. I certainly hope you enjoy this extra long, extra large, extra special presentation. Hey, thank you, thank you, folks. It uh, it is absolutely fantastic to be here. And again, hello, Pong Milwaukee. Uh, I'm Rob Conlon. Welcome to Age Proofing Your Resume. Today we are here to chat about things that don't just make your resume stop advertising your age, but you know, kind of taking down that billboard. But we're also wanting to talk about strategies that can help you make yourself more age-proof as well. So not just the document, but you as a person. Of course, before we begin, I do want to give a big thank you to Pong as a group. You know, Heather has been instrumental in this. Uh, if you have not connected with her, if you haven't connected with any of these people, oh my gosh, go do that right now. Uh, I want to thank you for being here to take the next step of your job journey and you know, it's it's a wonderful opportunity. I'm just really happy about this. And if you haven't uh, taken that step to to continue yourself into growing in your job hunt, today's the day. Uh, this is likely, though, going to involve a lot of work. That's one of the big things that kind of scares people off. And making your credentials probably look completely different by the time we're end talking, and by, or by the time we are done with talking, and by the time that we uh, kind of set you back loose. So you may not like this. Is, is something I'm going to preface this with really quickly uh, right here. If one of your own or your company's, fr company's phrases is, we've always done it this way, whew, now is the time to get that out of your vocabulary. Uh, this workshop is about change. This workshop is about embracing the new and using it to augment or upgrade the old. The workshop is about turning your resume into more than just a piece of paper with your jobs on it. So a quick disclaimer. For everybody here, this presentation pulls no punches. Job hunting is not a kid glove sport, and we as job seekers need to be very real and very honest with ourselves, and that sometimes involves hearing things that we are probably going to have an adverse reaction to. So, fair warning there, I think they call that a trigger alert nowadays, but trust me when I say it's one of the best things that you can do for your career to give yourself a wake-up call like this. So if you're ready, let's dive in. Number one, don't let your credentials betray you. I want to kind of get a, a brief show of hands here, and I think I'm going to get out to a grid here real quick. How many of you folks have experienced some sort of age discrimination in the last nine months? One, two, okay, I'm seeing 16, and I'm seeing like half, which is just insane. Uh, that That... That breaks my heart a little bit. And 
according to the laws of our country, that shouldn't be happening. But obviously something is. And you all telling me that, you know, something, you're raising your hand there validates that, that says something's not working here. So the exact piece of legislation that we're looking at is called the Age Discrimination and Employment Act of 1967, the ADEA. It's supposed to be designed to protect certain applicants and employees ages 40 and older from discrimination on the basis of their age for things like hiring, promotion, discharge from a company, compensation, or the terms and conditions and privileges of their employment. So if that's all written down in the law, that, that sounds pretty great. That kind of sounds like it covers all the bases. But why, 50 years later, when I ask you this question, do half of you raise your hands? So the simple reason why is that we cannot legislate thought. And I'm not here to lecture on that. That's for philosophers and, and poli-sci folks of, from out in the world to work on in a different talk that you might attend someday. Who knows? Regardless of what we tell them or write down or try to enforce with penalties and fines, people make judgments anyway. And when they're looking at your resume, even if it's illegal to do so, and that really sucks, that really sucks. Knowing that these hidden judgments are out there, they're made internally, but it, it's the first step in age-proofing your resume, accepting that there are people out there who are going to judge you on your age. And it, it goes for a lot of other things too, on your race, on your hairstyle, on whether, you know, on your smile, maybe even. So again, it doesn't matter if you're too young, too old, too fat, too thin, if your skin is the wrong color, if you don't, they don't like the name Janet, or if, you know, you wore your Milwaukee Brewers tie to the interview. It, it doesn't, we can't control other people, which is really interesting. So it's been a recent discussion with a number of my connections and people that I've met that discrimination happens anyway. And whether it's against your name, your college graduation date, or simply how your resume is worded, all of these things cause these people to pass judgment on you. And obviously we shouldn't change who we are based on things that we probably can't change. I mean, it's kind of hard to change your name. It's hard to change where you went to college. But there are some things that we can do to make sure that the basic credentials that we possess on our resumes don't betray us and allow us to be discriminated against right away. So step one, dates on your resume need to go. If you have any date, time, class of whatever, it's time to get that out of here right now. The easiest way for a hiring manager or a recruiter to see what your age is, it's to extrapolate it from your high school or college graduation date. The only dates that should be on your resume should pertain to successes that you've had in the past two to three calendar years and where you've been working at for the maximum of 10 years. So, for example, if you won the 2018 Stevie Award for Best E-Commerce Customer Service in North America, like my social media team did, then say so. But I can tell all of you that in the next 12 to 18 months, that 2018 reward isn't going to be worth near as much as it was 12 to 18 months ago. So what would I do with that? I'd remove the year. If you're Salesman of the Year 2020, shout it loud and proud for now. But if you're looking to tell me that you graduated from Drake with a degree in accounting in 1972, that date doesn't need to be on there. So getting hired is a lot like practicing or having a run-in with the law. Regardless of whether you're the plaintiff, the defendant, the witness, or the attorney, you need to give only the information that you need to give to make your case a success. So that is to say, 
Make sure you say the right things to win the case to get you hired. Don't, you know, self-incriminate, if you will. So one of the things that I think is important that we, we extrapolate on here just a little bit more, though, is let me be exceptionally clear about this. Don't ever, 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 ever lie on your resume or change dates or anything like that. We live in a modern time. Things can be fact-checked, re-verified. The last thing you want is for an employer to think that you, you're not trustworthy when it comes to your credentials. Now that's step one. And again, you are simply removing dates. It's not giving all the information. It's giving the information that they're asking for rather than more than what they're asking for. So I do. Let's roll. Let's hit it. No, sir. No, uh, it does not include removing dates of employment. We're going to get to that in just a moment. Uh, The last 10 years of your work experience should be on your resume. And they should have the dates there. But if you are in your your extras, your credentials, your uh, education, things like that, again, if uh, I even used to have this on my resume a, a number of years ago, you know, University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, class of 2010. Nobody cares. Doesn't matter. I, I went to UW Lacrosse. That's great. But as I just literally turned 35 on Friday, I'm getting close to that age where you know, five years from now, I'm going to be somebody who that could really impact because they'll know that it was a long time ago that I, you know, went to, went to school and they can extrapolate my age from that. So good question. Good deal. Any others before we continue? Alrighty, rock and roll. Step two, step two. And I think this one's going to be really resonate with a lot of folks. You might've worked somewhere for a good deal of time. So I'm certain of you that, oops, excuse me. I am Oh my goodness, I have been behind on my PowerPoint presentation. I apologize, folks. <laughs> I'll be d- dropping this to you folks uh, after the thing. Don't worry. So you might have been a co- part of a company for a very long time. And you've probably had jobs. I've even had jobs. I've stayed at for five or more years. So part of age-proofing your resume is to keep your overall resume length to less than 10 years or maybe slightly less, depending on where that, that line is drawn. 10 years of work experience is a great length of experience and is generally sufficient for pretty much most roles, whether it's entry level up to like mid, you know, a a little bit mid to upper level here. And a lot of times, if you're looking at like VP uh, experiences, they want, you know, like eight years, which is not not a bad thing. So I would call that, you know, C-suite looking at things like that. So depending on where you are in your career or if you're starting over, thanks to your good friend COVID, uh, keeping your experience focused on the last 10 years is going to be really key to making sure that companies can't really get that accurate bead on how old you are, simply by the amount of experience on your resume. So it ties back into point one. If you've been in a position for 25 years, use that rule of 10, keep that position on your resume, but don't necessarily say you've been in that position since 1995. You're not being dishonest. You're simply providing them the last 10 years of your work experience. So if you've been in that role since 2010, you can put 2010 to 2018 or whatever it might be. If they decide to press you on that, say, yeah, I've been with the company longer than that. That's fine. So this can really actually be pressed to your advantage, especially if you switched roles within the past about six to nine years. So you may uh, have a second job on there prior to your current position, which can help kind of mitigate some of the judgments that are going to be made when a hiring manager sees kind of long spans of time in various roles. 
So if we're looking at job tenure today, you know, we want to, you know, a lot of us probably have some of that company loyalty, things like that. Keep in mind, companies are not loyal to you. That is a thing I had to learn in my life. Companies will not be loyal to you. It's a business transaction. It is a point of making money. They can be kind. They can be friendly. They can be great places to work. But at the end of the day, it's down to this. So if we look at the average tenure of a job, right now it's two to three years. How many of you have been in the same position with a company for at least two to three years? I would say probably the lion's share of us. So your average millennial, somebody like me, is going to swap jobs like crazy, which is so incredibly different than what happened just 30 years ago. Think back to you know, 1990. Folks went to things, they wanted to be X for life. They were a financial analyst for life. They were a mechanic for life. And maybe they still can be a mechanic for life today. But there were a lot of things that many of the white collar jobs you wound up staying in for a long, long time. So folks, you know, they went into life wanting to be one thing. And they would change careers for maybe a handful of reasons. Maybe they had a midlife crisis, or maybe they got a huge promotion into the right thing in the same organization. But things have accelerated so much, even in just the past five years, that even folks like myself, who have been in the job market a few times in the past half a decade, have seen gigantic changes in between. But the number one thing to remember is that you need to look out for number one, which is you. Don't be afraid to leave an organization out of an aspect of loyalty. If they're a one in a million org, I've had the pleasure to work for a one in a million org. And I've, it's, it's life changing. You you go to other companies and you go, wow, this place sucks. Uh, But it's one of those things that again, companies are not loyal to you. Again, they may be, they may think they are, you may have a great relationship with your boss, the owner, everything like that, but it's all at the end of the day, driven by money. And age-proofing your resume is a constant battle that you need to be able to walk away from some of those aspects of loyalty because time marches on no matter what. So we're going to move to... Go for it. Yep, absolutely. We're going we're gonna to put a pin in, in the LinkedIn profile one because that comes at like 0. 0.4, which is great. I think, I think we'll, uh, we'll answer that question uh, in the course of this. So I don't want to throw that aside or anything like that, but um, I have a feeling that that's probably going to get answered pretty pretty tightly. But uh, Or let's, let's mothball that question until uh, about that uh, step four here. I think that's going to be great. Sounds good. Oh, you're fine. Hey, number point number two. We're going to dive into this. Let me... Hey, look at that. Ah, here we are. Point number two. We grow or we die. Keeping up with and gaining some new skills. On Friday, I had my 35th birthday. It was a fun time. Happy birthday to me. 35. Yuck. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going woohoo, Ron. <laughs> but... The funny thing is, is that the, the five-year-old, the eight, the 15, the 12, the 18, 21, 25, 29, 32-year-old versions of me are still inside here and they're going, what the hell is happening to us? I still feel like I'm 25, which is really awesome. But I know I can't stay 25 up here or even here forever because you know what? 25-year-old me was an idiot. Come to think of it sometimes, 34-year-old me was an idiot too. But when we look at past versions of ourselves, we should definitely kind of cringe a little bit. That shows growth. 
Growth is what's going to keep you going in your battle against age discrimination on your resume. So here's the big thing. You need to seek new skills to stay competitive with everyone else in the job hunt. And the really sad and unfortunate truth is you're going to have to work harder than everyone else. There's, I saw a story the other day on, uh, on LinkedIn linked by a uh, gentleman who he's a connection of a connection, but it was about this young man who had a, a very interesting uh, medical condition. He had something where basically it caused half of his body to not grow in proportion with the other half. And this kid was draining three pointers on a basketball court, like no other. I mean, it was ridiculous, but he had to work at that. You got to work as hard as that kid did to be shooting three point buckets. And I kid you not, this kid's other leg was literally a foot shorter, his left leg than his right leg. It was, it was unbelievable, but you need to continue to push towards learning new things and they don't always have to be relevant to your job. So the number one thing I'm going to tell you here, this isn't me saying you have to go learn to code. That is the dumbest meme advice in the world. It really is. Uh, but far, far from that, learning isn't easy. And because as we age, we lose what's called neuroplasticity in our brain. It goes downwards. And that neuroplasticity is a fancy word for how the brain makes new connections. We lose the ability to build new bridges, basically. However, the one thing we don't lose is we don't lose the capability to learn. It diminishes, but it does not disappear. So we simply have to work a little bit harder at it or diff or look at things in a different way. And there's a really excellent example of this that was proposed by Aristotle way back in ancient Greece. And he said the human mind is like a wax tablet. When we're born, the wax is warm, it's soft, and it's really easy to make marks and indents in it. But as we age, that wax cools and hardens, and we have to kind of scrape at it a little bit, and it takes more effort to actually leave a mark in the wax. And this is why learning is second in age-proofing your resume. So the thing that you need to eliminate from your mindset when you're age-proofing your resume is, I don't need to learn that, or I can't learn that. One of the greatest tragedies of my career was a colleague I had when I worked at a company I called my dream job for the longest time. Her name was Carol. And she was one of my absolute favorite people to work with. She was like a third mother to me, right after my, my own mom and my wife's mom. And yes, I am one of the very few people out there, lucky guys who have an amazing mother-in-law. It's, it's really rare. But Carol was, was just excellent. And Carol was old school. And if I recall correctly, she should be turning like 66 or 67 right now. Carol was working with me at an Inc. 5000 company that was growing by about 25 to 40% year over year. And every... Every day, we used cutting-edge, if not bleeding-edge, technology. But there was a problem. Carol grew up and started work in a different time and place than myself and my other younger colleagues. Now, that might be you, but don't let that be you anymore. Carol made her initial mark in her career dialing for dollars on a touch-tone phone back in the 80s working for the Yellow Pages. So she was an absolute shark for us when it came to sales. But she had really, unfortunately, over the course of probably close to 30 years, let complacency settle in to her work life. She was just an outstanding resource for us kids. And when I say kids, I really do mean kids. I mean, I was the old man at 28. And a lot of my college, or college's colleagues were five or even more young, years younger than I was. She taught us to sell. And in return, we taught her to use the computer 
and the technology that was being implemented every day. Now, here's the thing. When I say every day, I don't mean that we got a new piece of technology every day. I mean that we had to reteach her the same things pretty much every day. We still had our own work to do. And as much as we wanted to help work mom hang out with the rest of us, make her quotas, we couldn't devote the time. And now you're probably thinking, Rob, that's just awful. Like, help your teammate out. And you're not wrong. But here's the rub. Carol relied on us as an emergency service for when she didn't know something. But she never went beyond wanting to know what she needed to know at that exact moment. She didn't build the framework to get back to that point in the future. And there's the problem. So eventually I left that company. And things got even more complex after I left. And our, our poor dear Carol, who could hang with the 2015 tech with kind of a little bit of hand-holding, wasn't able to keep up with the 2019 tech. Uh, I learned later that the amount of assistance that she had received every day was increasing dramatically to where they've had a, a, a come-to-Jesus moment talk with her about where her place was in an environment that kept on out-evolving her every day and not allowing her to make her quotas. Unfortunately, that conversation ended with a separation from the business and Carol's retirement. Now, you might not be Carol's age, but you might not be 63. You might not have the resources stockpiled that allows you to go down to Boca Raton and live an okay life. Uh, I know she wanted to do more after she stopped working. You might need to work for the next 10 or 15 years. You might be 48. I know having talked to Carol recently that she was exceptionally upset about the result of this because it derailed what her dream retirement was. So here's the thing. If you're starting to struggle at work, or even if you aren't, but if you're thinking, I need to know, I, I don't know how to do this, it's time to learn new platforms. So it's time to make the, the promise to yourself to change. And that's really hard. Adopting new ways and technologies is tough, especially if you're not tech savvy to begin with. Now, thankfully, everybody who's on this call at least has that minimum level of, hey, I can get into a Zoom call. But the biggest way I've found that helps people kind of get a little bit of practice at this is to practice with social media. And you might be like, well, what do you mean by practice with social media, Rob? You have a Facebook profile, right? I'm betting, you know, 80, 90% of people in here do. But do you have an Instagram? What about Twitter handle? Are you on Reddit? And the all-important one, of course, how's your LinkedIn looking? But the biggest one I have to ask you is, are you familiar with TikTok? Now, social media platforms are an incredible allegory for learning abilities in your career. When you got into your first job, you knew Every single thing that there was coming out of school or coming out of your training program, you were new hot stuff. And it doesn't matter that whether that was in 1980, like Carol, or 2010, like me. You were modern at that point. But it takes time and effort to be modern. And you can't just sit on those same systems and same knowledge and expect to go anywhere. So looking at the evolution of social media, it tells us that the most successful people and the people who age the best through their work are the ones that go to new platforms as early adopters. Now, you don't necessarily have to be an early adopter. Clubhouse is the new big platform. That doesn't mean that everybody's abandoned things like Facebook, which, of course, is the granddaddy of them all. I still maintain a profile on Facebook, both personally and for my brand. 
But the point I'm making is that you need to embrace the change in requirements for work and take it upon yourself to meet those requirements. So who's the primary demographic on Facebook these days? It's not me. It's not my younger sister, and it sure as heck isn't the tweens that are Fortnite dancing on my sidewalk as I look out the window in the summer. It's the baby boom generation. And rare is it to see them outside of that platform, but the ones that do go outside of it are generally quite adept at using modern technology to get their business and their missions out there. You need to be a continuous learner, and you can practice with social media platforms. Social media platforms tend to be very easy to pick up and actually quite rather intuitive. So if you're needing that learning practice, you know, to just kind of start the momentum and get the a push, go set up an Instagram. Go take some lovely photos. Go share them with the people that you have on Facebook. The nice thing is those two are really well interconnected because Facebook owns Instagram. But you need to start the learning process with something simple and something that has quick rewards. So if you're not on social media, that probably remains a bit of a problem as well. Social media is part of the modern resume process. And it's also part of the key to age-proofing that. Again, we're going to talk about that a little bit more later. The whole social media example I'm giving you right now is to get you to think about in what ways you can move your education forward to give you a point to, and to give you a point to start at that's an easy victory. You know, get 50 followers on Instagram, things like that. Find those easy things where you've learned something, but there's a tangible reward to it. So I used to think, that when I was out of college, which I, I will admit I barely passed, I was I was a C student at best, and there's a lot of factors and stories that go into that, also a lot of Miller Lite, but uh, <laughs> I figured I was done with learning for life. And I'm like, yes, this is so great. But it was one of the biggest things I've ever been wrong about. It was almost as big as what I when I was wrong uh, about thinking it was a good idea to go to a Packers playoff game with my buddies over going with my wife. And for the record, that was the Green Bay San Fran game from about six years ago. Newsflash, I did not know at age 28 that my wife was a huge Packer fan, despite being married to her for three years and dating her three more before that. As I said before, 28-year-old Rob needed to learn things. But funny stories aside, your resume needs a new skill added every so often. Perhaps as frequently as yearly or maybe even every six months. Now, this can be something that's maybe more formal, Maybe it's a course that you take through a community college at night. You know, maybe you paid three grand for this thing. Or it could be something as informal as catching a quick lesson online from a program on your lunch break. The point I want to make is you have to do something to continue to learn and build that age-proofing process for your resume. A few recommendations I have for you, and I'll kind of go over these a little bit more slowly. One of the biggest fields that has cropped up in the past few years is brand and content marketing. Brand and content marketing. Now, not every one of us, myself included, is cut out to be a marketing manager. I know I have so much to learn before I can even touch the marketing manager at the company I work for. But I can tell you there are amazing resources out there that can be used in your spare time to help bring you up to speed on some of the things that modern jobs require or that modern positions interact with. A couple great resources to jot down. Number one, HubSpot Academy, HubSpot, H-U-B-S-P-O-T Academy. They're what's called a CRM or a customer relationship management tool. And they put out one of the best products I've actually ever seen. And they do it for free. It's bizarre. I don't really, I think it's a lead generation thing for them, 
but there's everything from social media management certifications and sales tutorials, and all of these uh, certifications are free. And that's kind of kind of a mind-blowing thing, which is nifty because they are a tremendously in-demand thing. The job I just landed uh, a couple of weeks ago actually said, hey, you need to have this free certification to be here. It's like, oh, well, that follows me elsewhere too, which is great. So they have courses, you know, and again, they're very easily put out. It's a video. It's very much like uh, learning from, from YouTube or whatever it might be. And of course, the certification is something that's valuable to put on your resume. Again, let me reiterate this, this whole thing. HubSpot has certifications that people actually look for and they're at no charge. You cannot beat that. So not only do these certifications help you get a new job, they're likely going to make your existing job better by not only teaching you new concepts and getting those brain connections going, but also relating them to what you're doing right now. HubSpot isn't the only game in town. Of course, there are a ton of other uh, fantastic resources across the internet, things like Khan Academy, if you uh, are needing to bone up on your uh, higher level math and things like that. You know, they kind of specialize in uh, the, you know, if you missed this in high school, check this out. Maybe you do need uh, to revisit some of the things you learned in high school with Khan Academy. I know that there was a point in my job about two years ago where I had this horrible little voice from my math teacher, my junior year, Mr. Conway, that said, you will use this someday. You will use this someday. And I went, oh gosh, really, I, I, I had poo-pooed that, but Mr. Conway's voice came back to haunt me. But the, uh, the next thing you may want to enjoy, uh, using to help you learn is a medium that we can, that I'm from, you know, if you will, and that's podcasts. So if you're not familiar with podcasts and you haven't started listening to podcasts, they are like the new medium, literally about 25% of America listens to podcasts right now. It's kind of on this, you know, massive upswing, but I don't want them to be intimidating to you. You have to think of them basically like radio shows from the thirties. You know, they have, you know, the the XYZ radio hour, and it's a bit, just a little bit more internet stuff mixed in. There's a podcast for everything. And many of them are incredibly well-produced. They are well-written. They are well-researched. And a lot of times they can be downright funny. There are podcasts for business, for leisure, for religion, investing, finance, job searching, games. I mean, everything, hundreds more categories. Listening is the new reading. And that's one of the biggest things I want to impart to you folks here today to help upgrade your resumes is that you don't have to go out and find books like, you know, What the Heck is EOS? Great book, by the way. But you don't have to read this. You can plug it into your ears and you can listen to it. That's one of the biggest and greatest things about living in the time that we live in is that we can kind of double dip. I was out snowblowing the other day because we got, you know, a foot of snow here in Port Washington. It was a really great time to plug my earbuds in and listen to listen to an audiobook or a podcast that I really wanted to listen to. So... Getting in tune with the most modern way to consume media content, whether it's social media or whether it's podcasts, is a really good start to age-proofing your resume. So the question you might be asking is, how does that impact your resume, right? So cool, I went off and I learned a whole bunch of things. And, you know, how do we, how do we have that impact your resume? Oh, there's that, there's that list. I apologize. Um, oh, the one I, I did not mention, uh, Commutomy. I just met this guy the other day. Uh, Farhan, great dude. Commutomy helps people communicate over the uh, over the internet because we've all lost our social skills because of COVID. You know, we we've all been forced to be as a part of this uh, 
this virtual meeting and he helps people do better virtual meetings. Really great guy. If you want to go take a look at his site, he's definitely worth, uh, worth looking at. So anyway, how does this make you a more, uh, age proof job hunter? Yes. Go for it. Yes. Go ahead. That's all right, Tom. Don't worry about it. I'm going to actually get right into that, but I'll, let's give a, give a preview. It lets you understand what the rest of your company is doing. Part of age-proofing your resume is not just understanding your own little world, not having your own little goggles on what your position is. It's understanding the bigger picture. It's CEO thinking. It's higher-level thinking. And that's something that you need to make sure that you put out there, that you're a higher-level thinker. Because number one, when you're older, you have the advantage of experience. My old man used to say to me something really neat when I was younger, and I got to be taller than him. If By, by comparison... I'm 6'3", 300 plus pounds, pretty broad dude. My dad's like 5'7", and maybe maybe a buck, well, at the time he was probably a buck 90. Now he's probably more closer to 220. But he's, you know, if you look at him and me, we kind of look alike, but I am like the bigger version of him. And the one thing he said to me was, you might become stronger than me, you might become faster than me, you might become smarter than me, but you will never be more experienced than me. And it's that experience capacity and it's that is going to help age-proof your resume. Because if you're talking about your job in very basic formats and things like that, that's a, a tip-off. And we're going to talk about phrasing and things like that here in the very near future of your position and how to kind of write them a little bit better. Uh, and rather, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? How to, how to interpret them a little bit better so that you're using modern language to describe what you do. That's why I recommend things like HubSpot because it has so many other connections to practical applications with what the rest of your company is doing. Does that answer your question, Tom? Sure, man. Sure, definitely. Con, yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, yes, yes. Bernie, great recommendation. And and that's that's the kind of thing that's going to help people 
understand more about the modern day job job uh, hunt and then of course the modern day business environment because when you find you know you have your own role you have your own little world maybe you work in sales but i can tell you from my experience the moment i understood what my friends in marketing and it were doing better i didn't have to be able to to do it myself i didn't have to be able to uh tell my CTO like, Hey man, you got to put the, the slash there in the code and then it'll work. I don't need to do that, but I need to understand why they operate the way they operate and what the overall arc overarching operation that they're doing and how that impacts my job. And then when I'm putting that on my resume, I get to write about that better because I understand the bigger picture. So jumping back in here, how does that make me more age proof? So again, embracing new channels isn't exactly going to be something that's quantifiable. You know, you can't say I am 12% better at my job because of this, but it really comes in handy for a number of things. Screening calls is a great one of them. Interview question answers, other pieces of the hiring process at the very least. This would, excuse me, this would also probably let you write better descriptions of things that you've done in your past work. Learning about things like search engine optimization or SEO and being able to describe how your past role interacted with it on your resume is going to help you go the extra mile to getting you hired. Being able to explain that a little bit deeper when you're asked about it. So the key is to make sure that you understand the relationship between your past position and what you want your future position to be in the modern integration that they both had into business. So to give you an example, here's a here's a. Uh, an example that deals with a part of my career. A couple years back, I worked in an organization. Again, it had a great culture, excellent customer service division. One of the biggest things that helped me succeed in my job was understanding why my marketing and IT colleagues did the things that they did. So I went and I took the time to learn a bit more so that I could understand about how what they did on a day-to-day basis impacted what I got in my job as a lead or as a prospect or whatever it might be. So I found that when I took that experience and balled it all up and put it on my resume, it made a lot more sense for me to talk in more modern, concise terminology about things like direct response email marketing and how I interacted with those customers rather than putting something like marketing advertised and I answered the phone. And again, that's an oversimplification, but to be able to say to somebody, we used uh, search engine optimization and uh, direct response email marketing to drive sales of this, of which I closed $4 million in sales. That's what you're looking to, to put on there uh, and make sure that you have that understanding, that modern understanding of the business environment. Again, saying you know, saying you have $4 million in sales is a great thing, but showing them that you follow the process as to why you have $4 million in sales, there's the rub. So continuing on here, again, age-proofing your, te- your, age-proofing your technology, age-proofing your resume has an aspect also of talking about how you use technology as well. And one of the consistent things that I feel that always comes up with me is my wife and I watch a lot of movies, and especially ones uh, made between about 1985 and you know 2012. But one of the things that always bugs me about those movies is the technology because it breaks my immersion sometimes. But what do I mean by that? You know, this isn't a movie, you know, a movie discussion, but if you look at the technology, 
that the characters are using in the movie. You have to look at things like the size and the style of the telephone. Is that phone a, a flip phone? Is it a giant 80s brick phone? Is it one of those little indestructible Nokia candy bars or is it a modern smartphone like a Samsung Galaxy? The connection I want to make for you here is that if I'm watching a sci-fi or spy movie or something like that, and the main character pulls out a cell phone that looks like a radio from a 40s war movie, it breaks my immersion and tells me that something is off. I obviously know that movie is taking place in the past, even though it might be portrayed as a modern-day movie. The same thing goes with how you address technology and describe yourself uh, using that technology on your resume. When you mention old stuff... It breaks that immersion, and it can tip off recruiters and hiring managers about your age. So let's take a look here. So what's the fix? The fix is to understand that the modern job hunt and the modern workplace have been really tech-heavy for about the last 25-ish years. And tech literacy is expected in pretty much any job today. So look at your resume. If you have things on there like Microsoft Word and Windows XP, that's not going to cut it for most modern jobs. Yeah, there are still a bunch of old machines out there in, in manufacturing that run Windows XP, but they're not connected to the internet. The point I want to make is that if you're referencing old technology, it can influence other people into thinking about what your age is, which is obviously what we want to avoid. So when we look at describing skills, we need to do this in a modern way. And you've probably seen these, but you know those progressive insurance ads, they have that guy, Dr. Rick, He's helping people not become their parents. You know, the, the, the guys are going to the, the guys, here's blue, it's blue. In the same, we need to fight the, the urge to age. In the same way that Dr. Rick goes into that lady's living room and clears all the pillows off the couch, which he should come to my house, by the way, we need to clean out the older references to technology on our resume. Instead of saying that we're literate in Gmail, we say, I have, uh, you know, if they say, what are, your, what are your credentials? You know, put G Suite. Because that's not only Gmail, but you also have to have, and make sure here's a learning opportunity for you if you don't know it already, uh, you have knowledge of other parts of that collection of programs. So if I say G Suite, I say, that means I know Gmail, that means I know Google Docs, it means I know Google Sheets, it means I know uh, whatever I made this PowerPoint in, which is Google's, uh, <laughs> I can't remember what the name is called, but I have a, a firm grasp of at least four or five of those Google programs, rather than referencing the the Older names like Microsoft Excel or like Excel 2003, that tips people off immediately to say, again, it's part of the dates thing from before, get that off there. And because things like G Suite and Microsoft are so easily interchangeable, it's really easy to pick them up. So we, we need to make sure that we have that knowledge about that collection of programs, but we also say things like Outlook instead of email or Microsoft email or whatever it might be. You kind of get the picture. But speaking of email... The biggest thing that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm betting a lot of folks won't actually do this, but this is probably one of the biggest things that you can impact your resume with. Get that old ass web domain off your resume. I'm talking about if you have an AOL, a Hotmail, an MSN, or any of those older, I mean, I used to use a Yahoo. I, I will, I will fully say that if you have any of those older web domains, get rid of them. You need to set up a new inbox ASAP because the four of those or more of those, if there are other ones that you're using, they all date your resume. SBC Global, that's defunct. You know, all of these other things. They can tell what your age is by whether what kind of email address you have. If you're, you have an a, dot at AOL.com, you're obviously somebody who's uh, way over the age of, of 30 because that 
you know, came out in you know, 25, 30 years ago. And you're look, actually, maybe it's closer to 25 years ago, but either way, you're, so you had to be at least an adult at that time. I can peg you at at least 45 or so years old at that time. So you have to get rid of that because AOL, you're a boomer. MSN, you're a boomer. Hotmail, you're likely an older millennial or a gen, late Gen Xer. Maybe you're part of, you know, maybe that's me, Oregon Trail Generation, born between 81 and 86. These are all huge giveaways about your age to recruiters. Yahoo, again, puts you in that older crowd. And I was even there myself for a while. It's a lot of work to transition contacts and subscriptions. I know that. But if you're like me and you've moved away from an email provider, making sure that you get on Gmail or some other more modern service is really going to help make sure that you can't be judged by the inbox domain that you picked out 10, 15, or almost 30 years ago. So if you're old using one of those really old email suffixes, knock it off. I'm seeing some hands. Mm-hmm. Then what? Well, then you have the opportunity. There's two things that can happen. They can either take it at face value that you are your age, or they could be, I mean, put it this way. Let's pretend you're black. Let's pretend you're black. And they pull your resume and you show up and your your skin is a different color than they expect. They're going to be a racist jackass anyway. That, and that's the, the, the thing that self-sorts for you to say, I don't want to work there. If, if they are going to make that decision based on who, what you look like, who you are, rather than, you know, what's written down on a piece of paper, get rid of them. It's, it's not a place you want to be. People will make judgments and people will make, uh, prejudices regardless. We can't control their minds. I mean, we really can't. And as unfortunate as it is understanding that when you are able to go to a place and you've gotten through that first round, you've won a victory, which is good, but you're still subject to another round, if you will. And this this presentation is not to make you immune to that other round because the second you show up in front of somebody and they say, hey, uh, you seem a lot younger in your resume, you say, isn't it great? Isn't it great? Doesn't it, Isn't this all this cool stuff that I've got to show you that I'm with it? Plus you get the experience of me. You're not dealing with some dumb kid. Pfft, that's pretty big bonus, isn't it? That's what you say to them, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Precisely. And it's, again, this is not lying. This is not disguising. This is simply bringing the, to their attention the things that they would like to see from an applicant regardless of their age. Because if you can hang with, with that and show that they are a, that maybe they're misguided in saying that, oh man, you know, this person came through and she was in her, you know, whatever, whatever years of her life, like, wow, man, I, I made a mistake there. I misjudged that person. You should have an example to show them that. But again, we can't control people's thoughts. We can't control their prejudices. We can't control what they're looking for whatsoever. But what we can control is what we put out to the, the hiring world. Mm. Uh, 
Well, if they're if they're asking questions about you know why the cane, that's uh, discriminatory. Discriminatory. <laughs> Good. Right. Well, and that's part of part of coming out as as who you are, and that's where you have to win win them. Because if you put it in the same same vein as if you if you were in a wheelchair or if you were in you know, you're, what you're seeing when their faces change is you're seeing that little that judgment that prejudice that thing that creeps into them that says you know what oh man this can this guy do this job, and the one thing that you have to do to overcome that is be exceptionally confident in who you are and and you have you know big smile kurt you know make sure that you have the the ability to be like hey you know what and and i I don't know i'm not gonna you know say on your limitations but stand tall stand proud man do whatever you can to make yourself look the best that and and feel your best you know make sure that you are walking into that interview saying i am here i am kurt i am talented i am somebody who can make a difference at this company and that you're fighting a battle. You really are. Uh, you're fighting a battle between prejudices and what they are being told. And unfortunately for us as human beings, the eyes tend to win it, which sucks. We get about 80, 85% of our visual input from our eyes. And that's a real challenge uh, to overcome because the ears are, are the next biggest one. But again, 85 to you know, 10% of our, our sensory input is, is through our ears. But the, the big thing is is that you need to utilize the the prep sheet that you've performed you've prepared for them with your resume to say you know what man guy walks with a limp but damn does he know his stuff he really does uh and that's that's where you have to make sure that you have the interview prep practice that you have the presence that you that you walk into the interview with even if it is you know a uh an ambling gait if you you know bounce right in there and you are higher energy and matching what they are. You know, if the interviewer says, hi, Kurt, it's nice to see you. Say, hey, it's fantastic to see you too. I'm Kurt and it's, I'm here to here to be uh, interviewing for this position. You match them. It's called mirroring. It's something we do as human beings. And if people are hesitant, you know, you can, you can mirror them, but also have a little bit of that undertone, that undercurrent of I'm here and I'm here to win and that kind of thing. And a lot of it, you know, we cannot change the way people think. We cannot change the way that people act, but we can change ourselves. And we can make sure that we are always our best representative. Because if you're not your number one fan, you've lost, man. If you are not your number one fan, you've lost. I can be a big fan for you. Anybody else in here can be a big fan for you. But if you don't love yourself, if you don't go in there and say, you know what, I'm going to knock this interview dead, regardless of what they think of me, then you've lost. Then, then you win. 
if, if you that that's how you win is you, you go in there and give it give it the old college try you really do and that's that sounds like a platitude but at the same time there's nothing more that you can do because you can't get in there and reprogram their brains to not be prejudiced Right, and Kathy, that's that's a great piece of advice, really. And Kurt, I think that that's probably the, even better than anything I've given you yet thus thus so far. Probably a great summation of everything so far. You know, walk the walk, if you will. And and that's you know, I don't want that to be punny or anything like that necessarily. But you know, if if you feel that you are confident with who you are, that's going to help you win the day. Hey, no problem, man. All right. So, anything else before we continue on? Rock and roll. Okay, so, again, we were talking about getting rid of that email address. It takes a lot of work. It does. You have to transition your contacts, your subscriptions, all of your other things, your credit card statements, things like that, which is kind of crazy. But if you're like me, again, if you've moved away from that, it's a lot of big effort. But, man, does it start smooth sailing smooth once you've gotten that taken care of. And, again, you won't be judged by your inbox by being an AOL address and letting people say, oh, AOL address, that person might be older. You're defeating that, which is outstanding. So the next point is one that's a little bit hard for me to talk about because I know it's something that I need to do myself as well. And that is, are you fit enough for the job? And this is one that, that probably going to push some buttons here, which is just fine. We're gonna, Yeah, we're entering that territory. Yeah, we are. I read a book a number of years ago by a gentleman by the name of uh, Jeb Blunt. Uh, B-L-O-U-N-T. Jeb Blunt, spelled like Blount. It's called Fanatical Prospecting. If you're in sales or anything like that, read that. It's a great book. But in it, I learned a whole bunch of things about the sales process. And one of them that always stuck with me was you have to be fit enough for the job of sales. And what do you mean fit enough to sell things? Like, yeah, you're standing around a, a, a Steinhoffels or something like that. Like, okay, I guess maybe you need to be able to stand 12 hours a day. But you have to think about it. no one's going to go buy a home gym from somebody who's 150 pounds overweight. They just aren't. So start exercising. That's part of it. Again, you're defeating those 
pre pre uh, I almost said precognitions. Well, those are precognitions of saying this person is older. But if you walk in looking a little bit, you know, looking like you really take care of yourself and things like that, that's going to be a big help. And one of the most important things that I found for myself is that. Uh, for weight control, you can't outrun your fork. You can go work out all day, but if you're pigging out every night and things like that, like I used to, you have to take a serious look at what you're doing and take a serious look at what you're putting into your body. And just like your resume, make incremental changes to that. When you feel better, you do better at any task you tackle, whether it's applying for a job, whether it's doing stuff around the house, whether it's going to school. And this really applies to job hunting in particular. Because you need to be fit enough, both physically and mentally, to do a marathon job search these days. It might take you 10 months, 2 years to find a new job. And you and yourself, need to, you up here and down here, need to be in shape to handle it, to handle that rejection, to handle that disappointment. You need to be prepared to take an absolute beating in your job hunt and continuously adjust that resume based on what works and what doesn't work. So age-proofing your resume turns it into a living document. And a living document is, of course, frequently updated. If you're on the job hunt and you're not making changes to your resume almost weekly, it's time to push harder on that. The one thing we don't do, though, is we don't make changes just for the sake of making changes or make them based on emotions. We make resume changes based on logic and based on expert advice. So I went back, uh, when I was making this presentation, I went back to my job hunt folder on my PC and I looked at it. I have 159 different iterations of my resume. Now that's not applications. It's not applications because each of those iterations was used for 10, if not more, applications. Some of these are tailored to companies or industries, but most of these are just little incremental improvements with a handful of teardowns mixed in for good measure. Age-proofing your resume means it's a document that continues to grow and develop just like you do on a fitness plan. And if you have a phrase that's been in your resume from kind of day one, you may want to consider its effectiveness. You may want to look at that and say, you know what? It's been 100 applications. This phrase has been here for every single one of them. Let's retool that because it has not helped us win a job for 100 applications. Give it a little rewrite. Say the same thing, but just rearrange it just a bit. It's so important for me to impart to you that we don't just change things because we change to change things, but we change them based on logic and, of course, science with reasoning to back them up. And, of course, if an expert provides us that change, when we contract their services, we listen to them. One of the biggest things that a lot of folks make in their resume rewrite, uh, a big mistake that they make, is that they contract somebody to rewrite their thing and then they look at it and they say, well, I don't like that. Well, you just paid this person $200 to look at your thing. Unless what they've talked about is objectively wrong, listen to them. That's the big key. That's why you're paying them. You're paying for their expertise. So on my show, I tend to tell people uh, to be exceptionally careful with their investments that they make on job search. But one that I always consider probably a, a really safe bet is, again, professional resume review. But fresh eyes is another way that you can age-proof your resume. I'm talking about not talking about young eyes. I'm not talking about things like that. I'm talking about different eyes. One of the foibles that we as human beings have is that we like to think that we're right and that everything we do is absolutely amazing. The reality is, though, we often have to get very real with ourselves, and we have to look at some pretty ugly feedback from time to time 
And that can be either professional feedback or it can be, you know, amateur feedback, if you will. I received some pretty amazing feedback when I was writing this presentation. I've actually received some feedback during this presentation too, which is interesting. I have a longtime listener of my show and he's a fellow podcaster. His name is Tom. Tom has a giant gift for detail. He is like an, an analyst trapped in a, in, a, in a property manager's body. It's great. Uh, but he offered to do what he called podcast doctor my show and tell me what's what about it. I figured, you know what? Let, let's let the guy do his thing. I gave him the permission to do so. And I just figured he'd come back, you know, short list of improvements can make to the show. And he and I would both be happy. But what I got back from him was this monstrosity. It was six pages typed full of an, uh, analysis of each of my last five episodes of my show. And the commentary was just brutally honest. And you know what? I read every bit of it and I loved it because it made me grow. So the same thing goes for your resume. You need to find someone who pulls no punches with you. Uh, that person might not be your spouse. They might not be your close friend. They might not be your dad or whatever it might be. It has to be someone, though, that you trust and will respect the feedback of. You know, if you don't have the per that person in your life, like I said, pay somebody to do it. Send it to me. I don't care. Most importantly, when it comes to that hard feedback about your output, about how, how you represent yourself to the world, you need to embrace that harder than anything else. Because in job hunting, it doesn't matter how necessarily you see yourself, which you should see yourself as, as a victor and a champion, but it matters how others see you in the hiring process. And part of age-proofing your resume is making it so it's not just your old tricks and style of writing all the time. Mix it up. You're often going to find that others can describe your strengths and weaknesses, particularly the things you're good and bad at, far better than you ever could. So that brings us to the segment that's the final point of age-proofing your resume. Our memories, or I'm sorry, the final point of this segment of uh, this is our memories fade, no matter the age. And as I'm writing this, I literally want to remember the name of a guy, or as I'm writing this, but as I was writing this, I literally wanted to remember the name of a guy I worked with last year. I remember his first name was Jeremy, and I hadn't haven't seen him in about 10 months. And I went on LinkedIn, and I, I couldn't find him because I couldn't remember his darn last name. So I got back to writing this, and I didn't find him. But then as I was typing this, I remembered his last name was Hess. And that, that took like a 20-minute thing. And I'm, again, I'm 35. Memory issues should not be a thing at my age, which is very interesting. But that shows that no matter what age we are, like I'm trying to remember a guy I literally sat next to for, uh, next to for like six months straight, had a great rapport with. He was my friend. I'm trying to remember his last name. Like, come on. Come on, Rob. But in order to strengthen and age-proof your resume, ask your current colleagues and friends what the biggest success you recently had was. Because they'll tell you. I guarantee you they'll come up with way more stuff than you can use effectively in a resume, especially events that aren't exactly recent. But the goal that you want to say and maybe want to limit them to is to say, hey, think the last two or three years, like I said before, and one of the things that really that I really knocked out of the park, use those to shore up recent achievements, either for your position or if you do what's called an achievement page with your resume, that's always a big, a big, uh, big plus as well. You know, there are some things, you know, you might have 10 amazing things that you've done with your position, but your resume should really only contain three or four of them. 
place the other six plus anything else that doesn't fit on an achievements page. And when you go to that interview, not only bring your cover letter, your resume, but bring this achievements page along too, so that these folks can say, oh, what else? Well, what else have you done? And you kind of just turn that sucker around and go, yo, <laughs> this stuff. So that's that. Uh, brief pause, any questions about that segment real quick? Not hearing anything, which is good. Haven't seen anything. Outstanding. Thank you. So, earlier in our discussion... Oh, we, we do have one. Not necessarily. Uh, portfolio is is probably something a little bit bigger. Probably something a little bit more robust. Uh, for example, my entire podcast was a portfolio project. Now, what that consists of is it consists of almost 300 pages of writing, as well as... Uh, 27 hours of audio and all the production and graphic design that goes with that. I'd call that a portfolio project. An achievement page would be something as as simple as, and maybe not as quantifiable, but like let's say you won Salesperson of the Year 2019, but you've also won Salesperson of the Year 2021, 2022. Or I'm sorry, 2021, 2020. Sorry, going the wrong way in time here. Put the two on there, but if you've won, you know, or say three-time straight, whatever it might be, or maybe if you want it back in 2017 again, maybe you don't have three straight, but if you keeping those, those, uh, events current, recent, if you will. So, so if you want maybe 2015, 2020, 2019, 2020, you could say last three out of five years, but you could also put on there top salesperson past two years running. And then on your achievements page, you put that other thing that kind of goes with it. That's kind of a one liner. There's not... You know, you can't necessarily pull all your, your phone call recordings and things like that. It's more of a, I did this too. This was an achievement. This was kind of a, the one-liners that don't fit in like your top three or four on your resume. Sounds good. All right. Okay. The last one, embracing technology. Now, early in our discussion, we discussed never stop learning. And we talked about embracing new technologies with social media and using that as kind of the, the test bed, the, uh, the practice uh, stuff, if you will. And of course, new stuff comes out every single day. Part of getting hired is making sure that you're attractive to employers and making sure that you're attractive to employers is making sure that you're not coming across as a technophobe because we often associate that. We make judgments, no matter who we are, that, you know, oh, they're older, they're a technophobe, things like that. So fight that stereotype. Fight that stereotype. Modern companies are looking at your social media presence, whether you like it or not. That's one of the big things that I learned when I was working for that uh, that company I mentioned that was Inc. 5000. We get, we get a resume. What's the first thing we do? Facebook. Just dive right into it. What is this person doing right now? What does their, their, uh, their profile look like? Things like that. And it wasn't necessarily to judge them on who they were, but it was to judge if they were a fit for the organization. You know, are they out there? Uh, you know, and this is not me necessarily judging this thing, but our CEO and our customer base at that company was generally very conservative. So if you had a, a woman who did, uh, you know, dress up costuming and things like that, that was a little bit more risque, that kind of thing, they'd find that. And that would be a, a poor reflection on the organization because the customer was not exactly open-minded in that case. So again, companies are looking at your social media no matter what. They just are. They're digging into it. And you have two choices as to what you can do with that. You can either run away from it, shut down your profiles, and think that, you know, the internet's going to be a passing fad and things like that, and this is that you don't need to get out on this. 
or you can embrace that and you can show that you're up to speed with the latest way to promote yourself. The invention of LinkedIn, which was, you know, 12 years ago or whatever it might be, was just an absolutely huge link or leap forward for professional advertisement of yourself. It really is. And again, you guys are all involved in Pong and things like that. But if I could advise you, turn up your LinkedIn engagement. That's one of the biggest things you can do. So what you want to do is you want to make sure that LinkedIn URL is on your resume and that it's customized. That's a big thing. I have a video on that on my YouTube channel. Takes two minutes. Really easy. But not only is that going to make hiring managers and recruiters know that you're not only looking to make sure that you're more visible, but it says, you know what? Hey, I'm here. I'm modern. It doesn't matter what my age is. I'm with this. It makes them easier to find out more about you as well, which is really great. And when you're doing the work, the legwork for the recruiter, they tend to like that, which is a very good thing. So again, making sure your LinkedIn URL is customized, easy to remember. For example, mine is linkedin.com slash in slash, and again, all of that has to be there anyway, but Rob Conlon 86, that's really easy to remember. So find something along those lines. The other rub though, is that once you get onto LinkedIn, you have to work that thing. So spruce up your homepage, make sure you've got a great headshot, make sure that you're sending connection requests out there because recently... I was looking to do some business with a company that appeared to be really outgoing, really tech savvy on the outside. But when I wanted to reach out to their CEO and introduce myself as a connection to him, I saw that he'd been on the platform for 10 years. He had 13 connections, 13. And I know for a fact from the person that I, that, that, you know, tipped me onto this guy, that he is a multi, multi-millionaire. This guy was not embracing the modern means of getting hired, and it actually prevented me from looking into doing further business with his company or wanting to get hired there myself. So don't be the person with 13 connections unless it's day one. No photo, no interaction on the platform. Put in the work and make it so that when the URL from your resume is typed in, it's a bold advertisement that no matter what the age of the smiling face that they see in your profile is, the hiring manager goes, wow, this person knows their shit. So dedicate time each and every day to LinkedIn. That's helping to build your personal brand and to make sure that you are consistently building momentum on that platform. Make sure there's a copy of your resume on that LinkedIn page too. Because your resume now isn't just your resume. It's much more akin to a personal brand. It's you. It's Rob Conlon, the brand. It's you know uh, Ron Klassen, the brand, things like that. And it takes a lot of time. It takes a ton of effort to do well and to learn how to do well. There are even things that I myself had my marketing manager for my job look at. I said, Dan, can you take a look at this? And he said, and eh, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong. You know, this is something that I, I preach to people. And yeah, I even had some things that I needed to shore up. You don't need to be perfect, though. You need to be great, which again, as I said, is the enemy of perfect. Resumes are so much more than a piece of paper. And sprucing yours up to include multimedia as well as the written aspect of it is really critical and is essentially keeping your resume up to date and age proof. You may want to produce some content for your LinkedIn page. You may want to write an article. You may want to look into creating a short video or something like that, where you comment on something that you're an expert on. You may want to push into that. And a final note of social media and embracing technology, LinkedIn is totally your friend because not only it has a job board, it's great, but it's still something of a popu popularity contest, just like any other job board. If you pay your jobs at the top, but if you're really wanting to show people what you can do, 
you need to be active on a LinkedIn platform in three ways. I'm going to give that to you here in just a moment. Number one, you need to post your own content that is related to what you want to be known for. So for example, when I want to promote, wanted to promote my podcast for the first time, I knew I needed to find one topic that I knew a little bit about, that I was passionate about, I needed to hammer on it. In this case, it was helping folks job hunting. And everything I post on not only my personal brand, but also my brand brand, if you will, page, revolves around people finding work, networking to find work, looking for new ways to find work. That's my spiel. You need to find out what is your spiel. What's the one thing that you can do better than anybody else on LinkedIn? And again, LinkedIn is full of 200 million people or something like that. There's going to be double ups. There's going to be double ups, but you have the opportunity to make it your expertise and things like that. Number two, again, make your own content first, but number two, and maybe even more importantly, you need to engage with your con the content of others, your friends, your colleagues, your boss, the people at the company you want to work for and get hired at in a meaningful way. You have to do this in a meaningful way. One word replies, thumbs up, smiley faces. That stuff is not going to get you noticed. But when you take two, three minutes, put down a well-thought-out eight to ten sentence thought right after something has been posted from somebody you enjoy and follow, that's going to begin to get you noticed. And you have to keep doing that. So you don't spend an eternity on what you want to say. Simply be a contributor, a positive contributor, to the discussion whenever you can be. Speak from a position of honesty. Speak from a position of respect. And of course, when able, be vulnerable. Number three, reply to every single comment that your own posts get. I've increased my network size by over 75% in the past eight months. I've reached thousands of people and landed my new job exactly because I did every single thing I just told you. Those three steps, that landed me a five-figure payday. That's how we work in the modern modern era. That's part of making your, your resume timeless, is consistently making it a brand, making it not just this piece of paper that lives over here that you update every once in a while or update after you lose a job or whatever it might be, but something that is hammered on weekly, that is hammered on on social media, that is something that is so much more than just two sheets of paper. Again, show up with uh, with not only the cover letter, but also the achievements page, things like that. And if you have a portfolio project or if you haven't started a portfolio project yet, get one. One of the biggest things, the, the single biggest thing that landed me the position that I just took here in uh, a little earlier in January is they said, Rob, we are a podcast production agency. You have your own podcast. We need to get you in here. So the 700 hours of time that I put into writing and recording and all of these things that eventually led to me being here, that all paid massive cash dividends, which is really interesting. And everybody should have a portfolio project. And the definition of a portfolio project in this case is something that you do in your spare time, and it might overlap with your hobby. It might, but it's something that demonstrates your expertise in a particular area that can relate to work or that can relate to an employer. And it's something that you can be willing to share with an employer in more than just one sentence. When I say to somebody, I run my own show, I run my own podcast, like that's great, but it's far better for me to say, yeah, I run a podcast called Recruiting Hell. We uh, help people find jobs. We have a mission to help 10,000 people 
find a new or better job, help a hundred of them land that job, and help 10 people who are searching for a job avoid suicide because of lack of work. Like that's when you have a mission like that, when you have a, a key statement to yourself and your brand like that, which is again, your brand is your resume nowadays. That is so incredibly key to making sure that you have something to push forward to somebody that says, you know, I might not be the fresh kid out of college, but here's this really cool thing I did. Seeing questions from Kathy, go ahead. It can be. It certainly can be. It's one of those things where think of it like, think of it like sales, if you will. Sometimes that one call that you don't want to make is the one that really pays off, if you if you will. Uh, to give an example, I had a young woman reach out to me. She's a listener, of the sh eventually a listener to the show. And she, I believe she eventually, yeah, she did have an episode with me. Uh, she posted this question. And she said, hey, I can never seem to find a job that in marketing that doesn't involve me going to Costco and hawking DirecTV. That's not marketing. That's outside sales. And so I posted a you know sizable thing because I had exact experience with this uh, because you've probably seen it here on the job boards in Milwaukee. Uh, there are some companies and uh, I'm trying to think who, the, who they are. Um, Never mind. I won't name names because I can't think of them right now. But there are some companies out there that they say entry-level marketing position. You've seen these advertisements. And I reached out to her and I said, hey, you know what? I have this thing for you. I did not know her from Adam. And I, I'm a big fan of reaching out to people with a give, with a value that says, hey, I've experienced this too. You should take a look at at this. And what that grew into is literally the most popular episode of my show ever. So what did that what did that do for me? Does that mean I should chase every single person? Maybe, maybe not. If you're really looking to to grow your network, but I would I would chase quality over quantity. And again, sometimes quantity has a quality all its own. Thanks, comrade Stalin, but it's one of those things where if if you're looking at this and you you start that relationship with somebody I really think that it's worthwhile for most people to, you know, drop a connection if you have a good reason. If you have a good reason, if, you, if you've been intrigued by what they've done or what they've said, or if you just want to get to know them better, putting them out there, you know, praying and spraying, if you will, to kind of put in a you know, machine gun kind of analogy, probably not the best thing for you. But think, you know, take those targeted shots, really, you know, line it up and that person I want to learn more from, that person I should follow, take those shots, reach out to people. When folks reach out to me, I, I judge them on two things. A, what's, how close to me are they? And B, do they leave a nice little note at the beginning? Now I judge them on that, but it's not solely what makes me connect in this case. Those two things are the, are what I always send along when I send a, a connection request. You know, make sure you have a nice note relating something to you. But for the most part, I accept blinder connection requests. And with the exception of maybe one or two, they've all panned out. They've all panned out to be fantastic people. And they are something that, uh, that I'm, I'm generally support, generally supportive of, uh, again, don't, don't, uh, 
industrialize it, not industrial scale, you know, click, 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 but, you know, pick those ones where you introducing yourself, it, it probably is a good idea. Yeah, go ahead. Well, the best thing I can tell you, Will, is uh, what my one of my past coworkers told me. He happened to be uh, a, a firearms instructor, and in in the world of firearms, there's a lot of ways that people kind of dig in to certain thoughts, if you will, as absolutely correct every single time. And he used to tell me, Rob, it's not the way; it's a way. And as long as that way is safe and as long as that way is something that is uh, beneficial to your training or whatever it might be uh, or your job process, it's not wrong. So in this case, you know, and, and I've heard that as well, where it's a, you want them to continue that conversation. You do. And that's fine. But the other thing is, is network for the give, you know, don't make it hard. Customer acquisition, uh, people acquisition, people want easy. People want to be able to go through it. And it's part of a challenge, like in marketing, when you want people to, say, subscribe to your email list or things like that, that making that process as easy and as low drag as possible is something that you have to balance. Is it, you know, for, for me, I believe in making it easier for people to access who I am and what I am. But there's somebody out there who has just as much sense as me, as just as much uh, clout, as me, that's going to say, you know, no, make them want that, make them reach out to you. And I think that's a completely legitimate and, uh, understandable way. And, you know, I, I can, I can get behind that. That's for sure. Um, it's just not the number one way that I choose for myself. And it might actually, your mileage may vary on that as well. Yeah, no problem, man. Ah, yes, yes. So experience as far as, there we are. No, not at all. Um, same, same rule applies past 10 years. And unless there's an exception to 10 years, unless you worked at like NASA or something like that, get that on there. Like seriously, get that on there. If you have something that's been really a, like a, a crowning achievement, yes, then, and you should put that on there. Maybe, maybe you leave the, maybe you leave some of the years off and things like that. You know, sales, uh, you know, American Family Insurance, uh, National Representative of the Year, nineteen eighty six. Like that's a big achievement. That's a really big achievement because you've been, you're number one in the nation. Things like that. But, you know, that that's one of those things you can say you did earlier in your career when you when you when you meet with these folks. The biggest thing I would say is limit your LinkedIn history to about 10 years. If folks want to know more, then they're, they're working and moving into that understanding that you may have more experience than what you initially let on. And of course, I mean, when, when they're on your LinkedIn page, you've got your smiling face and your profile. And unless you've, you know, used a crazy number of phone filters to, 
to make that. I hate when I when it actually does that to me because it makes me look really weird. But you know, unless you've spruced yourself up with uh, virtual makeup, if you will, that uh, they're going to be looking right at you just as you are. You know, ju- me just as I am. Things like that. You know, I've got this lovely thing with hair thinning a little bit like that. I accept that. It's one of those things where, and they they can too if they're looking at your experience and and are asking further questions about something beyond ten years back. Yeah. Hi there. Yes. Sure. Uh, you don't have to dance. I can tell you that. <laughs> I'm actually really glad you did ask this because everybody associates TikTok with with the the kids. Everybody associates TikTok with the younger demographic, but it's one of those things where that's where that's where attention goes on the internet. Everything else kind of follows that to the newest platform, if you will. You don't have to dance, but what you have to do is you have to put out meaningful content that's eye catching and grabbing. In, in a great way, somebody who you may want to follow. And this, this is, uh, for everybody. And she does do a little bit of the, you know, kind of rhythmic stuff. Her name is, uh, Sasha Kennedy, S A S H A Sasha Kennedy, like Canada with a Y. Is it? No. Yeah. Canada. Yeah. C A N A D A. No. C A N A D Y. That's it. Sasha Kennedy. She's an excellent friend of mine. This girl kills and crushes TikTok for her marketing business. And that's, you can base what you do because her whole thing isn't necessarily like dancing everywhere or anything like that, but she does have a little bit of music, a little bit of rhythm to it. You know, she kind of does this stuff every once in a while, you know, to point out points and that pop up in, in bubbles, but you don't have to be these crazy, you know, kids doing this for, for the lulls, if you will, if you have something that is meaningful and short and rather punchy with video, that's where you can really shine with platforms like TikTok. This, mm-hmm, this sells. I will tell you that regardless of your age, your face sells. People want to see faces because if you look at algorithms on, on social media sites like YouTube and things like that, the number one type of thumbnail image for videos contains a face. And even if it's a face like mine, again, I, on a good day, I may be a six and a half. On a really good day, I mean, if I really spend some time, you know, doing my hair and getting dressed up and things like that, I'm a six and a half. I'm not a 10. I know that. But I can tell you the videos that I've put my face on have done so much better than the ones that I have not put my face on. People recognize this. And the fact, again, that you're doing content for yourself and you may not be the the norm, if you will, for a, a content creator or a producer and things like that. That's, that's a huge sign too, because there are even so many, there are folks out there. There's an older generation of YouTubes too. There's a, there's a, uh, there's a grandmother. I think she streams, uh, streams the game Skyrim all the time. She's like 93 and she's out there and she's got a huge channel. It's like Skyrim grandma. That's, that's what she does. But so again, don't let, who you are. And, and a lot of us, for, the, for a lot of us, it's a confidence thing. It really is. And, you know, don't let who you are stop you from getting where you want to be. Yeah. Love yourself. It's great. <laughs> so, yeah, 
Uh, we are basically finished here, folks, um, and we'll, we'll devote the rest of the time to questions. I'm just going to polish off the last, like, three paragraphs here, uh, and then we can go right back to this. So, I mean, in summary, just to review everything, the things you can do to update an age proofy resume. Number one, be careful with the credentials and the dates that they can, because they can give away your age, and that can immediately disqualify you from hiring. Again, they see that Drake 1972 jerks throw you out. They just do. Again, 10 years of experience is the max that you should be putting on most resumes. And unless you have, again, a piece of experience that is really like, I worked for the Apollo program, like put that on there. <laughs> Step two, you learn or you die. And adding new experience to your res- resume on a regular basis is incredibly important to keeping your experience relevant. And don't let the best you have to offer be position years. Give your resume extracurriculars that aren't like the ones that you had in college. Put them on that achievements page. Replace anything that's not a credential with a credential that is usually related to your job, an achievement that's related to your job, or something that indirectly benefits the way that you work each day. Show that you're in that growth mindset. Step two and a half, social media is that great practice tool. Play around with it. Get some practice. Again, it's it's a, it's not, I'm not necessarily telling you all out to go out there like, go start YouTube channels, go start TikToks, things like that. But if you need the practice, Go start Instagram. Go have, you know, show your friends some some fun pictures of your dog and stuff like that, whatever it might be. It's a good primer for you to move on to something else. Step three, modernize the technology on your resume. Make sure the programs you're referring to are the modern iterations and that you know how to use all aspects of them that are connected to that modern definition. Again, Gmail versus G Suite, things like that. Step four, kick that old email domain to the curb. When contacting you, a company can make that snap decision about you based on the age of the email platform, and therefore, they can tell your age as well. Lastly, step five, get fresh eyes on your resume. Get them now, and especially folks from other generations too. Take those learnings and apply those to your resume, and of course, your LinkedIn profile too. Be willing to invest in a little bit of professional help with your resume if needed, but age-proofing your resume starts with making sure that it reads with someone other than you. So that pretty much wraps me up for the day. Uh, Again, part of being a speaker here is networking for the give. And I hope that I've been able to at least give some of you, uh, at least one of those points that you can take home for your resume. I am, of course, open to connecting with every single one of you. And if you felt this chat was beneficial, you can not only, uh, you know, review it from uh, from me, but uh, in my uh, script and my PowerPoint here. But if you want to talk more about it in the future, we certainly can. Uh, This is also going to be the... My audio only, and only that audio, is serving as episode 38 of my my own show. Uh, it's recorded a single side, which is great, and uh, I feel it's not too important. You know, It's so important to, to share that with the world. So if you want another recap of this entire thing, you can find that. And, of course, you can find me. Uh, I'm not going to promote that right now, but let's turn back to Q&A because we, uh, we want to have that time. So what's next? Well, good. Uh, Ooh, go for it.
That's a good question. That's a very good question. Uh, so I guess my, my, my question to you would be, are you returning to the workforce after maybe a, a, a short retirement or, or what's the, I, I, maybe, maybe it's not, I, I don't want to say don't answer that, but like that, that would be the question that I, I should have you ask yourself. Like, why did I leave the workforce in the first place? Was I ill? Was I taking care of somebody I love? Was I, uh, did I decide to retire, but then, oh, yeah, the financials didn't quite work out in that way, and I need to get back into the game. That That's going to kind of formulate how you're going to move forward on that as to, you know, again, we, we don't say we lie. We never lie on our resume. And you can, if you've been out of the game since 2015, you can't just make up five years of, of stuff and be like, hey, yeah, I was doing this uh, for that. And it's like, no, no, you weren't. You didn't work for anybody uh, during that time. A lot of times, honesty is the best policy in that case. And and that, again, is going to probably stick things against you. And, and you know, I'm not going not gonna to sugarcoat that, is that people are going to say, ah, oh, he's got a five-year gap. But here's the fun part. Here's the fun part. The past year has given most, if not all of us, a massive resume gap. So it's my thought and my idea that resume gaps aren't really going to matter that much anymore unless they are truly, truly significant, you know, 30 year gap, whatever it might be. And even then a employer worth their salt. If you said, yeah, I stopped working to raise our three kids and make sure they had a good thing. And I'm going to get back to, you know, I want to get back into this and here are all the things that I've done to make sure I've stayed up to date. That's going to be the, the big, the big challenge to, to say what I've done in the time that I've been out of the game. I have made efforts to stay in the game myself. Could you say that one more time, Al? I, I barely heard you. Uh, well, you would want to put those in like uh, your achieve on your achievements page. You want to put those in credentials if you've gotten any. Uh, what I would do, at least the way that I would start to frame it, and again, you're probably I wouldn't get this right in the first time. I don't know if anybody could get it right on the first time. It might be a, an option to, to seek a true a true blue professional, somebody who's got you know thirty years of resume writing experience like that. I think the the biggest thing would be to to put the last ten years of experience you have on the resume. That's the big thing. You know, if you have, if you haven't worked since two thousand fifteen, to go back to two thousand five and say this is it. And when they say when they ask you, you know, okay, so I don't see anything recently here. That's your trigger to say here's what I've been doing since then. And, and that's going to be up to them to decide whether or not based on their prejudices and things like that, whether or not that, that satisfies that. But the nice thing is, is that if they're asking that you're talking to them, which is a really good thing. And you can oftentimes sell yourself a little bit with, you know, and again, Al, I see that one of the things in your, your zoom box here, it says voice. And I'm assuming that's talent because I see T-A-L, the way you talk, I like the way you talk. It's engaging. And I feel like you have a very good gift there that if you said to me, hey, Rob, you know, I've been out of the game for, for whatever reason. You know, explain any gaps on your resume. It was X, Y, Z. You know what? Cool. If that is something other than I wanted to drink beer and get, you know, schnockered every night on the beach. I mean, I, retirement might be that for some people, but it's... <laughs> 
if it's a good reason, if it was, yeah, my mom was really sick and, and she's, she's gone now, but I took care of her and spent all the time I could with her. I'm probably not going to hold that against you. <laughs> if I have a heart. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Good question. Um, are you using it as the primary name? Okay. You know, I'm, I'm 50-50 on that because it's, I understand that, you know, some people do make, and, and it's from my back, well, let me back up here. I think you should always be giving your full, your, your given name to a employer. You know, that, that's a, a sense of honesty and things like that. However, if you have a stage name that's very well known, um, for example, I'm trying to think, um, here in Milwaukee, he's on 1029 The Hog, uh, Eric Jensen, Rock, Rock Jensen. Like, you can put that in quotes, you can do things like that, the, especially if you have, like, one of those really meaningful nicknames that that is that other people will know, that's a great way to to go with it. The one other thing that I've always been a big fan of is uh, I mentioned earlier that I worked with a social media team. We served uh, millions of people, and I often found that the women that I had on my team uh, tended to get a little bit of harassment when they uh, revealed themselves as female uh, in their positions. So I've always been a very big fan of if you feel you need to protect yourself from stalkers, rabid fans, whatever it might be, go for it. But if you're dealing with an employer, you know, maybe move into that uh, that first nickname last kind of thing. Like if you can look at my own personal personal Facebook profile, uh, it's Rob Freeze Conlon. I got that, that nickname in my high school marching band, or not my high school, my college marching band. Uh, and it's not, you know, that's a personal page. But a professional, you know, they, that might, if that had carried through in any appreciable capacity, I could see that going. And maybe you put something on your... Uh, achievements page or, a, or maybe an addendum there that says, Hey, you know, I go by this in my, my work. That may be something that they would want to know at some point. And especially if you're having a conversation with them, say, Hey, you know, I've got this, this following and this nickname that people call me and that, that that's what I tend to be known by, you know, again, transparency is a very good thing. Absolutely, Al. And again, if there's, I think you should start a similar profile project or project or profile uh, portfolio project that that I did. I think it'd be great for the world to hear you, man. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Enough self promotion. More, more, <laughs> more questions. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I think that the biggest thing is, is that you should in very similar to like you have your Amazon Alexa on in your kitchen, right? That thing's listening. Amazon's recording you. It's in the back of your head. 
it I it should always be treated as if you're going to put something out on social media, be ready to defend it. Be ready to defend why you did that. Why articulate why you said that. Articulate why you believe that. Things like that. And if you're going to, one of the things is, is you know shore up the privacy on your your Facebook, your LinkedIn. You know, make sure you limit who can see things. That's a way to kind of help mitigate that. But for me, as far as you know, and I use some four letter words in this presentation. I didn't, you know, and that's something that I'm comfortable with. Uh, it's also the type of organization that I tend to work with, which is something that would, you know, have have uh, have a few of those things. Uh, however, if you take a look at something like my my podcast, you will not find anything worse than the word crap on that. You know, hell and crap, and maybe an occasional damn. But I did, uh, you know, I do edit that so that if I had to, and you know, rest her soul, if I had to uh, introduce that to my grandmother Jane who passed away about four years ago, I'd be really happy to say, hey, Momo, could you listen to my podcast? And, and Momo would be really happy about that. So I would say, you know, talk about what you'd like to talk about with the people and that you know and your friends and things like that. But also bear in mind that anybody can be listening at that point, whether it's the NSA or your next employer or whatever it might be. And I think for the most part, I would say most companies are probably probably looking at least first level when it comes to uh your social media i would say probably a third to a half are looking second level especially if they have a connection with you that's probably the biggest key and you can you can button up that connection with you know, only you know only my friends can see this on facebook or whatever it might be only first level connections can see this on linkedin that's kind of where i would go is if you're concerned about that button things up on your end and then of course you know don't don't go out there and, you know, spout conspiracy. If you want to spout conspiracy theories on your personal page, go for it. But don't let that bleed into your professional brand. I think we got all the points of that, right? How many companies in there? <laughs> yeah, we're good. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and if you like the uh the actual scripting too, so you can go over, you know, not necessarily word for word, because I do add add some things in there. Uh but there's about how many pages is this thing? I mean, this is like eighteen yeah, eighteen or nineteen pages of, of just stuff. So if you want to review that with a fine tooth comb, you certainly can. And if you want to catch this, you know, in the future, and if you think if this was worthwhile to you, tune into my show. You can find it on uh on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts, Recruiting Hell or, you know, recruiting-hell.com or, hey, follow us on LinkedIn. <laughs> yep, totally. I'm, I'm glad. And, and you know what? It's one of those things where uh, during this, I'm really glad we took questions during it. And, and you know, some folks even said this has ruffled some feathers. And 
If that is something that is has happened to you, I'd say good. I'd say very good. And then mission accomplished because it makes making you think. And you might not want to want to change or, or want to take my advice or whatever it might be, but that's on you. It's out there. It's one of those things, and it's. I've really had a great time doing this. So I want to thank you guys again. And, uh, and I look forward to some of that feedback, especially the stuff that's not great. Mm-hmm. Closing out for us today here at Recruiting Hell, be sure to, of course, uh, take a look at Pong Milwaukee. It's a great networking group and uh, connecting with some of the folks uh, in that might be a really good thing for your job search. As we draw to the end of this extra long show, uh, a reminder that we have set that mission for this show, and we definitely accomplished a good chunk of that today. That was educating 10,000 job seekers, helping 100 of them get a new job by directly applying the knowledge that they learn here on Recruiting Hell. And then lastly, of course, we want to save 10 lives from deaths of despair by getting the world back to work. Remember, you are worth more than your work. You can find us all over the internet. Of course, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and YouTube, but there's no video for this one, but we'll continue to do those in the future. Again, uh, something with these uh, particular talks was this one uh, did not want to do video to protect folks uh, for their privacy. And of course, we respect that here on Recruiting Hell. For more from the show, visit our website, recruiting-hell.com, where you can also find our blog, social media accounts, show notes, and links to both our T Public and our Patreon page, and it helps support the show and helps support the job hunt of hundreds and hundreds of people and supporting that mission that we just talked about and, of course, the good work that this show does. If you're looking for more information to jumpstart your job hunt, be sure to grab our free guide at recruiting-hell.com. We will email it directly to you to get your job hunt going. You just click that little button on the front page. You fill out a quick form, and it gets sent along through email, which is outstanding. Feedback, questions, and comments can always be directed to the Recruiting Hell Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, Recruiting Hell is a production of Westport Studios, proudly made in Wisconsin. Finally, as always, a big thank you to Purple Planet Music for our themes and you, the listener, for tuning in. I'm Rob Conlon, and until we meet again, keep moving forward with your self-betterment and your job hunt. It's a marathon, not a sprint, and Recruiting Hell will be here to help you keep pace. <laughs>